You're listening to the North Avenue Show, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of some top entrepreneurs and marketing directors. I'm Andrew Curtin, and I'm sitting down with top executives to talk about their process, lessons learned, and how to make an impact. Hello, listeners. This morning, I had Niall and Gary Earls calling in from Easy Fix. Niall is currently the equine and construction sales manager, while Gary is the operations manager. I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. Thanks again, guys, for calling in. Gentlemen, thanks for calling in this morning. No problem at all, Andrew. Thanks Good for having us, you. Andrew. Great to have you on the show. So we'll get straight into it. Tell me a bit about yourselves and Easy Fix. Well, um, my father set up the company, Andrew, in the early 2000s. Um, at the time, he was still working as a sales representative for a company in Galway. Um, I actually remember the very first day that he attempted to uh, put rubber flooring under animals. It was uh, up at our own farm, my grandfather's farm, Lord Mercy on him. And uh, at the time, he, he, I remember him coming into the yard with a half barrel, uh, a bag of rubber granules and a, a tub of glue. And he mixed the granules and the glue together and he kind of plastered it onto the cattle slats. And... Of course, we let the cattle into the slats that night to see how this rubber flooring was going to react underneath them. And of course, by the time we came in the next morning, the cattle, the whole lot plowed up and jumped into the slats. So that certainly wasn't a runner. But having said all that, he obviously had an idea that animals on slats for six months of the year wasn't um, wasn't viable going forward. He had spawned the idea of, of animal comfort. And uh, from there, he started to develop uh, a proper rubber matting system for cattle slats. Mm, brilliant. And tell us, guys, was the problem you were fixing, was it a huge problem at the time, you think? Um, and he, he obviously created an unbelievable solution, but was there kind of a big demand out there at, at that particular time, you think? Well, do you know what, um, Andrew? I always feel that with the Easy Fix Slat Rubber, which was our main product and probably still our flagship product, I believe that to a certain degree, we created a need for the product. Obviously, there was a need there for it, but in the, in the mentality of the Irish farmer, the slatted shed, which was a relatively new phenomenon at the time, had only come out in the mid-80s. Uh, the, the, the slatted shed was a, was a great thing, obviously, but I think hadn't really decked that they weren't good for animal health, if you like, in terms of standing on slats six months of the year wasn't very natural. So I firmly believe that, that my father created the need for that product. He, he um, sowed the seed of, of in, in, in the minds of the farmers that this was a product that they needed. Um, obviously, as I said, from the very first day that we tried with that particular invention, uh, which lasted a day, uh, we went to using natural rubber after that, which was a kind of vulcanized rubber. Uh, we tried everything from strapping it on to slats, to gluing it onto slats, to screwing it onto slats, which was successful for a while. The screwing was successful for a while, and a lot of people bought into it. It was, um, you know, it was, it was a product that worked, but obviously people didn't like boring the slats every foot or so, so that was a concern. But I remember the day he actually invented the clip-on system, which is still today the most uh, widely used slat rubber system in the world. And uh, he, he created a system where he, he had a rubber wedge that you basically hammer down into the gap in the slat, which meant that the rubber was clipped on with no artificial fixings, no screws, no, no uh, strapping. And, um, you know, it, it obviously created a huge amount of comfort. Cattle performed much better. Feed conversion was much better. Veterinary bills were reduced. Use of antibiotics was reduced. Um, and it just created a much better environment for cattle. 
and uh, it really snowballed from there. And farmers quickly realised that uh, it wasn't a cost; it was actually an investment. Mm. And like I was, the next question I was going to ask, but you kind of answered it in a way, is that the the, the business, by, by the sounds of it, grew very quickly. It didn't take many, many years to become a, a success. It sounds like you kind of kickstarted fairly fast. It's prob- in, in the first couple of years, um, I suppose it, it kick-started fairly fast to a degree, um, I suppose to the point where uh, Dad realised that there was um, something something in this, something there was definitely something worth, uh, worth pursuing. Um, but it was pretty steady growth f- from, from there on. Um, you know, there was obviously plenty of challenges and there was times in Easy Fix Lifetime where... Uh, you know, there was, uh, well, there wasn't money made or anything like that. But I suppose um, he was determined to to keep going and and believed in the product and believed in the concept. I suppose of of creating a better environment for the animal. And I suppose all of our other products uh, grew out of that as well. You know. Yes. Yes. No. Definitely. And I know you sell uh, many different products to dairy, beef, equine, etc. Um, so what is your currently your main market in terms of product and country at the moment um well i suppose we sell into about roughly 50 countries um and the product mix is different from from when you go from region to region if you take for example germany um the primary focus will be on dairy um in holland it will be dairy and veal um the irish market is probably still one of our biggest markets but that has kind of stayed where it was and, and will always be there we believe um, but as the company grows and expands, it's uh, the US, um, Canada, uh, areas like that that are, are growing rapidly for us. The UK is, is a huge market for us. Um, yes. And Europe, up in countries like Scandinavia, we have great relationships with agents up in um, the, the likes of Finland, Norway, Sweden. We, we ship to these countries every single day of the week, you know. Yeah, and I suppose moving on to the next question really is very similar to what we're talking about and has a lot of relevance. Um, I suppose with all the talks about Brexit and the proposed Mercosur trade deal with South America, do you see a lot of challenges and opportunities for yourselves in the in the coming months and years? Well, there's certainly challenges, um, Andrew, and there always has been. Um, you know, in a, in a, in our in our business, we find challenges every bloody year for one th- one reason or another. In the USA, you could have corn prices gone through the roof. You could have a drought somewhere else. You know, there's always something, but uh, which which really which obviously affects our products and affects uh, the investment farmers make. In terms of Brexit, I really have um, stopped or I have just blanked out any speculation as to what might happen because I think uh, it's it, we're really still in the dark over it. Obviously, there's going to be big implications. They're, they're our biggest customer, um, you know, but we don't know what kind of tariffs will be put in place, what kind of trade deals will be put in place. And look, at I've spoken to an awful lot of farmers in the UK about it. And it's funny, like every one of them has come up with the same line. They're all, they all want out. The lads I've spoken to now, I'm not saying all across the board, but the lads I've spoken to, and they would be big farmers. They want out their kind of, their attitude is, and they have said it to me, that Europe needs them more than they need Europe. Um, you know, so they, they, they feel that they're, they're in a good place. And um, as I said, I, I've given up speculating on it as to what might happen. Um, uh, in terms of the uh, South America deal, that's there's a lot of talk about it at the minute. Uh, there's certainly no upside for the beef farmer in it. Uh, I think it's obviously 
it's it's a big talking point at the minute and people might be there's a bit of scaremongering going on as well i suppose but it's going to be a long time before it's implemented uh, if it's implemented uh, at all um so i think that you know it's it's a shame it's really is a shame to think that south american beef which is produced in a completely different way to what I would consider Irish and beef being a bespoke product. It's so well produced here in this country and there's so much detail and traceability. I think it's a shame that you would have to sit on the shelf beside South American beef, which is, um, I suppose, an, an awful lot, uh, a looser type of a production system That's out right. there, if you want to, for want of a better description. Uh, I think it is a shame, but maybe the, maybe the Irish beef sector has to, create a new brand and a new niche for itself as a totally bespoke uh, product, a, a high range, pro high end product. But as I said, this thing, you know, we don't know the details of it again. It will be implemented in about eight years time. It's it's so there's going to be an awful lot of water under the bridge between uh, mm. between then and now. So I suppose we just have to roll with the punches and uh, and, and, and deal with it as, as it comes up. It's like it's disappointing in a way that, like, I suppose Brexit and the Mercosur trade deal, like, you've two strong variables being thrown at you more or less at once. So, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult time in the agri business at the moment. Uh, hugely difficult. And uh, with beef is obviously in a very difficult position here in Ireland at the minute. Uh, you know, there's, there's literally no money to be made in it. And farmers are really, really struggling. Um, you know, I think sheep prices are back. Of, good bit this week again dairy is the only thing that seems steady at the minute but we know from a number of years ago that can also hit the wall and if that were to if anything like that were to happen then we'd be really in deep water yeah oh for sure and and i understand you're active in a lot of non-agricultural sectors as well such as gyms crashes etc well uh, we, we we would have products for for all those sectors but to be honest our 90 percent of our our business is agriculture um, we also, you, you probably notice we have a lot of coverage, I suppose, in the in the equine market, but that still only uh, accounts for about five percent of our business. Now it is growing, right. and uh, we are currently working on a new website for the equine, um, and there is there is a market there, but I suppose most of our focus would be on um, on on agriculture. And that's certainly right, but I suppose with with these different variables and just political issues, do you think? Um, he will diversify into that, into different industries more often because of this speculation and uncertainty that it could be another avenue for more of a safety net to go into gyms and crashes. Have you thought about that well, much, or do you think it's something you might explore? I'll, I'll, I'll feel that one there, Andrew. The, um, you know, you have to look at the scope of the market as well, and you know, it, the the scope of the market in gyms, crashes, and safety products compared to the agricultural industry worldwide is minuscule. And uh, the world will have to eat regardless. And, you know, ethical farming is being pushed all over the world, regardless of what country you're in and regardless of how low a base you're coming from. So people now every, all over the world realize that if you don't look after your animals to the last degree, you don't get the performance out of them. So regardless of all these things, uh, food production will continue. And anywhere food production continues, there'll be a market for us. So while we do obviously have an eye on the, uh, the the markets outside of agriculture, in particular equine. Uh, we'd never take our focus off agriculture. Now getting back to the equine again, uh, we do get a huge amount of coverage out of it. We've done an awful lot in terms of race sponsorship, jockey sponsorship over the years, ads in various 
uh, publications in terms of equine. Uh, gets a lot of TV coverage because of the races, and people actually think that we're an equine company. And when I when I when I turn around to them, I say it's actually five percent of our turnover. They like they're they're nearly stunned. They can hardly believe what you're telling them. But uh, we have invested, as Gary said, in the uh, in the equine side of the business this year. It's it's a really nice business in its own right. Uh, we've invested in the UK in particular, where there's a huge leisure market. We were mainly selling into the racing industry, but we've kind of diverted our focus to the leisure market, which is kind of the point you're getting at there. Um, like mm. there's hundreds and thousands, probably millions of people in the dressage, show jumping, uh, eventing, happy hackers type thing in the UK. And they are all customers, potential customers for us. So we have started to advertise in the likes of the horse and hound. We're building a new equine website. We've got a new team on the ground out there uh, in terms of sales and installation. So, yeah, the, if we are diversifying any little bit, it's towards equine a, even in a stronger way. Yeah, and I think also um, we've diversified a lot over the years within, agri <clears throat> within agriculture because there's agriculture is made up of so many dif different markets. And I mean, where we started off with a great product for beef, I mean, we, we've a, a huge product range now for, for uh, dairy, for veal, for pigs. We have a lovely uh, product there over the last few years that we've been selling into the pig industry, a pig tie, um, basically for enriching the, the environment of the pig. And they're, they're absolutely, to be honest with you, we can't keep them made quick enough. So uh, we've diversified, all is diversified within the, within the sector, you know. Yeah, and I suppose looking at it from a marketing perspective, I know you said a small percentage of your turnover was in the equine and other areas, but at least at least your brand is out there. So if you ever do want to keep pushing towards that, people will know of your brand as a slightly equine brand as well. So it mightn't be a, a huge shock to the system when people see that you're advertising this more. So it's obviously very good from a branding type of view that you're covering a lot of corners at once. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, anywhere you can get your brand out, whether it's on the TV or whatever else, somebody might go on to Google that night and, and look at the Easy Fix website for some reason or another and realize that uh, we do a huge range of products, uh, um, you know, whether it's equine or agri or whatever. So as I said, there's no such thing as bad publicity and definitely the equine has given us a proper leg up in that uh, regard. Exactly. Yeah. And tell us, guys, currently, what's your main route to market? Do you have distributors in various countries or are you granting franchises or, or what's your main route at the moment? Yeah, no, we don't uh, have, have franchises, but we do have distributors in, in uh, different parts of the world. And I suppose something we learned over the years was when we were trying to go global. Uh, we decided to go global locally. Um, I think it's really important to have people on the ground that are from from the area because there's such a variance in cultures and uh, in in route to markets um, locally. So we have um, we've, we we would have regional managers. We would uh, partner up with companies that we would have met over the years at different trade shows like Eurotier and that. Um, and we often what we do is we, we look for companies like ourselves to partner up with uh, companies that yes. their primary focus is on animal comfort. Um, that is the biggest thing. That's what EasyFix is completely built on. Every single product we do is to enhance the animal's environment. So you, you're looking for companies like that. Um, but we also have our, our own team that works out of EasyFix. We have about 40 people, um, 40 plus probably now, um, and, and growing within EasyFix. And like we've increased our, our sales team over in the US. We have three guys working directly for us over there. Um, so and, and then they'll partner up with agents over there as well. So I suppose yeah. our, our finding companies similar to ourselves and getting them to distribute our products is is, is probably the, the most joy we've had worldwide. 
for sure. And just as a matter of interest, um, what is your main state in the US or what are your main markets in the US at the moment? Yeah, well, I suppose um, up till recently, it would have been mostly beef. Um, yeah. But, uh, there's a good mix of beef and dairy over, over there at the moment. But uh, it, it, one of the, the, the challenges we have over there is is it's so it's so big, the, the, it's so vast. And where we have maybe in Ireland alone here, we would have 30 agents. We have three guys mm. that are looking, at, looking after states the size of Ireland, you know, so... Mm. Um, yeah. Those guys in America, obviously, there's there's agents within those states. So if each guy was looking after five or six agents, you're looking at 15 to 20 distributors around the U.S. So we are uh, increasing our um, foothold out there uh, as, mu as much as possible. Every year it's growing. It's a big market. It's a very diverse market. And certain states concentrate on beef, as we know, historically, the, the, the beef states out there. Now, what's actually happened a lot is that... Um, you know, you used to have the big ranches in Texas and Arkansas and Colorado and these places, but they have actually sort of changed their production system because they used to bring corn down from the corn belt uh, in the in the states further north where they where they grow, obviously, deserts of corn, basically. And they used to ship all the feed down to these feedlots. But nowadays, what they're actually doing is they're bringing the cattle up to where the corn is and they're putting them into feedlots up there. And like the old right. story, there's no point putting cattle in on concrete slats and trying to fatten them. Uh, so mm. they're in on, on uh, rubber flooring, uh, much more efficient system. You can feed an awful lot of cattle in a day with a, with a diet feeder type system and a feedlot if they're on a comfortable rubber floor. You've got water under their noses, so there's no fear of drought. I mean, they've suffered from huge droughts in, in, in America and the beef lots over the years. Uh, even for stuff like uh, treating sick animals, you go into a pen you, with, a, with a lance, you give an animal penicillin. Whereas if he's out in the ranch in Texas or whatever, you've got to ride out and try and yeah. corral him somewhere or another to, to, <laughs> to, to medicate him. So the, the, that move has been very good for us. Uh, the creation of these uh, beef lots has been great for us because obviously there's a huge sale for slat rubber as a result of it, making the whole system much more efficient for the, for the producers of beef in the US. And that, that trend uh, is continuing today, actually. And there's a lot of ranches selling up Basically, in the US, these big, big open ranches are kind of, uh, there's a lot of them for sale now, I believe, out there in the bigger states. Um, so, yeah, that's just a change that's definitely worked in our favor. Yeah, that's great to hear. And it's always going to be a challenging market in the US, but it sounds like Eva, Eva foothold it anyway. Yeah, quite um, strong, actually. And uh, we're there quite a while now. And uh, we've, as Gary said, we've taken on more guys, we've taken on more agents and uh, it's, it's the dairy has actually become, uh, is, is getting a real foothold out there. And is, if it does become a trend like it is here and in the UK using the easy fix system and all over Europe, if it becomes the same trend in the US as it is here, um, where, where people realize that the most comfortable system out there is the easy fix system, the most efficient system. Uh, mm. If it catches on in the US like it has done here, we'll be in for uh, you know, a couple of good years. He'll be in for a good time with then. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, so moving towards some marketing questions, I expect you guys to be a lot of exhibitions, national plowing championships, international agriculture shows. With the emergence of other marketing channels, do you think the return on investment for these type of events uh, initiatives are satisfactory and they think they're still a good source of advertising oh absolutely yeah the, for to be honest for years uh the agriculture shows were our bread and butter and probably still are you know up to a certain point um in in easy fixes lifetime 
70% of our turnover for the year would have been done out of sales we'd have got out of the National Ploughing Championships. Now, I suppose timing, the time of the year as well, had a, a part to play in that. But the National Ploughing Championships will be absolutely huge for us. Um, we will be at most uh, big agricultural shows. Um, you know, recently we would have done the Royal Highland Show, uh, Balmoral. Uh, we'd, mm. we, we'd be, we can be sure we'll be in Eurotier. Um, and that, that's really, really important, I suppose, for anyone starting a business as well and who has an idea or, or, or a product that they think is going to um is, is going to do well like in the early days um our father would have been at every single show he could possibly go to with his little bit of slat rubber and his small stand and the stand has grown um more and more every year and i suppose one of our biggest marketing um investments will be in our our, our stand at the national blowing championships yeah, like I find that very fascinating because obviously I'm coming from a social and digital marketing background, but to have 70% of turnover through referrals at events is quite astonishing. And it just shows that like the meeting people really is still working, you know, it can't all be done online, but that, that's that's a very interesting figure. It's fair well, to I, I think actually, Andrew, the point that Gary made there was going back to the early to, to, to the mid to late 2000s when we were primarily based in Ireland, we had very little export and the slat mm. rubber was a phenomenon at the time, that at that particular time, uh, we would have probably done 70% of our turnover for, for maybe three or four years there. In that period, we would have done about 70% mm. of our turnover from context. We would have got at the plowing. Um, mm. So it's not a, a trend that continues today. Obviously, at mm. the time, digital marketing and all that wasn't as um, prevalent as it is now. But nowadays, we have a fantastic marketing team in there um where digital marketing is a huge focus for us social media is a huge focus for us that's what we're constantly working on we're going away a little bit more we notice ourselves that we're going away more from print media um that it's not as effective as it was and it's quite expensive i mean you can get an awful lot of coverage for a small amount of money in terms of uh, social media um, you know managing your your Google AdWords properly and uh, your digital marketing side of things. So uh, our focus would be hugely on on the digital side of things now. Yeah, look, looking at your social platforms and your Facebook um, specifically, you seem to have a lot of video content, which I'll be honest, I didn't think, I suppose, the agri industry would be known for its video content. But is that becoming a popular trend in the industry right now, do you think? Yeah, you know, it's actually, it's it's huge, to be honest. Yeah. Um, one thing we found is that Farmers love watching other farmers and other farmers' stories and uh, different ways of farming and different methods and that kind of thing. It's it's actually huge. So we've recently, we've been making farming videos uh, or making marketing videos left, right and centre. We've been meeting our customers, talking to them, them telling us their story. And I suppose they're, they're like, their video testimonials really is what they are because mm. the best person to sell our products is someone who already has them. Um, mm. Like... The, the stuff the farmers come back with as far as data is concerned and uh, and that is 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 fantastic for us from the point of view of, of marketing our products and and it's it's as i say farmers love watching farmers um so it's kind of the way forward really yeah like i always say it, that people are nosy and they always want to see what other people are at in their own working lives or their own personal lives so i can completely relate to what you're saying and if you can just keep open up, up that for any industry you're in if you can keep getting that in, be, in behind the scenes content um, published on a monthly or weekly basis yeah. I think you're on to a winner for any industry well, that's absolutely it Andrew and we're, we're um, 
we, we actually have a very exciting marketing uh, tool which will be launched in the next couple of months. Um, I won't say a whole lot about it now because it's, it's, it's quite innovative. Um, but we're quite lucky, you know, we've, because of our business, we've been to some very interesting places uh, all around the world. Like I've been on farms in the UAE that have been like up to 85,000 cows and we supply them with rubber, you know, and to go in there and see your products on the ground is fantastic. And for people to hear that story and see maybe a few pictures of the scale of this place and, you know, farmers, anybody, farmers or not, love to hear that sort of thing. Um, another project we've worked on lately is the floating farm in Rotterdam. And that's a very, very interesting project where they have actually built a farm on a floating platform, on a barge, if you like, in the port of Rotterdam. And it's kind oh. of a futuristic concept uh, whereby you've got on the top platform, you've got 40 something cows and they're in a 100 um, percent, you know, uh, cow friendly environment. They're being milked by robots every day. The full thing is kitted out by Easy Fix, Easy Fix cubicles, Easy Fix mats, every, every, you know, anything we can do with the Easy Fix Evolve feed barrier. The Easy Fix Easy Feeder, which is like a trough that keeps the feed in under their nose instead of the concrete type. Um, but that's, that just shows you the, the level that we've got to in terms of animal comfort when the world's most futuristic concept farm has used Easy Fix throughout. Now, also on this floating farm, it's going to become a kind of a, it's not, it's just recently opened, but it's going to become a kind of a tourist attraction in Rotterdam as well. And on the second level down from the top, they actually have, um, a milk processing plant so you can go in there you can pop your few quid into the vending machine and get milk into a bottle that's been produced upstairs uh they also recycle their um the the, the slurry uh they use it for for bedding they recycle the water for washing down and you know various different things like that and in the third level which is actually underneath the sea which means it's always at a very cool temperature i think it's a constant eight degrees now don't hold me to that because i don't know but underneath there they're going to start growing uh, berries and fruits under these uh, uv lights and eventually those berries and fruits will be used to make yogurt from the milk from the cows that are upstairs so uh, <laughs> it's very futuristic but again people love to hear about it and uh, you know when it does open to the public people should go and visit it and it's something that we're very proud to be involved in and, and it's a good story for us to tell over the social platform i think as well on the video thing as well uh when the the first week that the floating farm let the cows into the into the sheds um they published a video on their website. I think it got 9 million views within the first week. So obviously, you know, it's a very, very interesting project. It's going to get an awful lot of coverage out there. Um, you know, so I suppose the videos is, was a kind of a natural progression for us because we really want to get across to people what we're about. Um, you know, that we have great relationships with our customers, but that, you know, every single thing we do is, is based around animal comfort. And one of the challenges we'd have run into over the years is that I suppose every one of our frontline products would be completely unique to ourselves. They would have been designed in-house by different people in EasyFix. And what we find every time we go to a trade show that there's somebody else that is after imitating or making a copy of our product. So there's copies of our products all over the world and we come across this all the time, um, kind of cheaper imitations, we'll say. So our, um, I suppose, our retaliation is to make sure that our brand is so strong that whenever people think of livestock comfort in any form that they think of easy fix and i suppose that's why our, our marketing is, is so important to us right now and video is a huge part of this yeah and looking at them imitators i suppose really obviously you're one of the leaders in, in the world and your brand is very strong um 
and your first mover advantage obviously is going to be a key with you guys you have the first mover advantage really and I suppose sometimes them imitations could just really um, advertise the whole industry and in turn could increase your profits and your turnover well look at Andrew it's something that we've you know from the word go like literally I could go back 10 or 15 years we've had to we've had to put up with sort of stuff like that over the years. It certainly has, it hasn't really, I can't put my hand in my heart and say it has done us any harm because it hasn't. We've always, as you say, we've always been five steps ahead. We've always invested hugely in, in our products. And for anyone to, to kind of catch up with us now in terms of our products or our innovations, they have to invest a huge amount of money. Um, obviously we have a lot of very strong patents as well. And we've been very careful with that over the years. So um it, it, you know if you if it's it's i suppose it's a lesson that it depending on what faith you have in whatever product you invent it's very important to to patent it and protect it properly um mm. but you know one thing that i'll just give you an example of now uh we i suppose we were the first to perfect the plastic cubicle okay and it's actually it's it's taken off now that it's like it's a phenomenon really the plastic cubicle some people will not even hear of a steel cubicle anymore but when we initially brought the plastic cubicle to the plowing championships for instance and steel cubicles are obviously the, the traditional uh way to go but you know we would have been ridiculed and you know i can go back to when i was in school when when people heard that my father was putting rubber under cattle and they kind of laughed at the idea because it was never heard of before and it reminded me of when he brought out the plastic cubicle people were laughing at this wobbly thing that was never going to work and it was going to break and all that kind of so and obviously it was very easy for the steel manufacturers to to say osher oh, those yokes will break and they're unproven and this that and the other and that was fine but literally just this year now we've found that Probably two of our two of the biggest steel cubicle uh, manufacturers in Ireland are at at pains to try and produce a plastic cubicle to keep up with uh, <laughs> the trend the trend that they see with, that Easy Fix has created. So, as I said, they they have a lot lot of work to do to catch us, and that's the way uh, we need to keep it. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And I suppose moving on to the last question, guys, it's been a it's been a great podcast. Really enjoyed it. I guess social media is a fact of life now. It's it interferes with all our decisions on a daily basis. Um, I suppose for yourselves and anyone in the farming industry that are trying to get a foothold, which do you think are the best social media channels that work best for your business and the industry, you think? Yeah, well, I suppose we've, we've sort of an, an integrated approach when it comes to social media. But um, I suppose up to this point, Facebook would have been really strong. Um, you would find Twitter is is great for communication with with uh, with customers. It's a big platform for farmers. Uh, it's a big platform for people in the equine industry. But as far as the company is concerned, where it's going is certainly Instagram is definitely the strongest. It's the place we 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 really want to to build a, a bigger following. Um, Facebook, where it has been really good to us up to this point, and I'm sure it, it'll continue to do so. It's become a little bit of a, in my opinion, anyway, it's become a little bit of a. I suppose a hot mess of clickbait and and it's 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 like one big billboard now, um, mm. so your your content kind of gets lost within it. Uh, whereas uh, Instagram is is more visual, um, it's more sleek and more simple, and you can be flicking through Instagram there and not actually feel like you're being you're being advertised to the whole time, you know. Um, and it's an easier way for us to tell our story. Yeah, well, exactly. And what I'm finding with Facebook is. It's becoming similar to just a street banner on the side of a, of a of a shop. That's what it's becoming like, you know. People aren't and companies aren't really using it as a proper, or as a excuse me, a a, a proper engagement, customer orientated channel at all. It just seems to be like a, a paper advert, or as I said, a street 
street sign advert. I, I don't think people are um, are using it properly at all. And because of that, I think that's why people are. And, I, and other companies are switching to other platforms. So, yeah, I think you're very, I think you're 100% right there. Um, but I think that brings us to the end of our show. Um, thanks a lot, Gary and Niall. It's been a very interesting podcast, very insightful. Yes, um, no, Andrew, thanks uh, very much for having us. Um, we're delighted to, to talk to you and uh, hopefully it'll be well received. Hopefully so. I've no doubt it will. Thank you, guys, and we'll hear from you soon. Thanks very much, Andrew. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Thank you for listening to The North Avenue Show.